For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. We're on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs after an exciting wildcard weekend. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ike Taylor. Mark, Mark, man, what a wild weekend, right? Wild meaning what a, what a wild good weekend for the first week of football. Not just that, but our first show in 2020. Oh, you're right. You're right, dog. Our first show of 2020. That means we about to get it cracking, so let's go, Mark. Before we give you a breakdown on what is on today's show, Happy New Year, everyone, and let's get started, right? Let me tell you a little bit about hsleep.com. Listen to these studies from Harvard and Johns Hopkins. Chronic sleep deprivation has been shown to lead to depression, diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease. We need eight hours of sleep. One of sleep's biggest problems is temperature. It's tough to get good sleep if you're too hot or cold. It's 2020, and now you have the Pod by 8 Sleep. The Pod is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help achieve optimal sleep fitness. It was developed by leading sleep researchers after tracking 43 million hours of sleep. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance rest and recovery. It helps your sleep habits and adjust the temperature automatically. That means if you like the bed cool, your partner likes the bed warm, now you can have both at the same time in a crazy comfortable bed. For the next week, get $200 off your pod and a free gravity blanket for a total value of $500. It's only at 8sleep.com slash pro, 8sleep.com slash pro. Ike, on today's show, we're going to break down all four of the divisional round matchups, but let's start with the big takeaway from wildcard weekend, Ike, for the first time since 2002, we'll have an AFC championship game without Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, or Ben Roethlisberger. Changing of the guards. And that's how it is. I mean, it's a young man's sport, Mark. And I think people forget that. Uh, and those three guys you named, they had a good run. They had a great run. And all of them win a Super Bowl. That said a lot on how dominant they were when they played. But at the same time, man, we talking about early 2000s. You know, it's 2020 right now. We're talking about from 2002, 2001, all the way to 2020. So that's a hell of a run to just recycle those four guys you're talking about. But at the same time, man, it's a whole other generation. So I'm excited. Who are the quarterbacks right now in this league that are young? The Lamar Jacksons, the the Patrick Mahomes and those guys, because we got a lot of football that we can really look up to every year coming on Sundays, you know, because these guys are in their third and fourth year. So the Dak Prescott. So football is good. Josh Allen's right now. Football is good right now. Daniel Jones. We can just go down the line of a lot of young talent if they stay healthy. And football will be taken care of for the next 15 to 20 years. But like you say, Mark, Mark it's just a change in the guards right now. And the Patriots had made eight consecutive conference championship games. It was the longest such streak in NFL history. The Patriots entered the game against the Titans as a four-and-a-half-point favorite. And the question is going to be had all offseason. Is the Brady-Belichick dynasty over? And I think a lot of that had to do with, for the first time since 2009, the Patriots didn't have a bye week either. So they were up against it. They were at home, but Derrick Henry was excellent for the Tennessee Titans. He led his team to a victory on his birthday as well. Um, I got an opportunity when Derrick Henry came out of college to work with him down here by Tom Shaw. And uh, when I just saw his size, I'm like, God dang, this dude is massive. Like, this dude can be a real-life DN, like a Jadavian Clowney kind of bodybuild. But... Then when you see him work the foot ladder drills and see him cut on a dime and stop and go in the sand pit, 
I'm like, okay, this dude is special. So the first thing you look for is a big guy. Does he have short area quickness? You know, usually these tall guys are like build the speed kind of guys. You know, they got to get started first. When I worked out with Derek Henry, man, this man had a short area quickness, which was unique for a tall and big guy of his stature. But now you see what he's doing in the NFL. The coach Vrabel is using him just right in that running scheme, kind of a zone read scheme. He get to pick two or three lanes he wants to go to and not really have to stop and start. He can if you do, but at the same time, we talk about one drive where they just handed it off a 75 play, right me in a 75 yard drive where they just handed it off to Derrick Henry the whole time. And Marky Mark, we talked about this like I had a feeling or oh, I just thought the matchup was better for the Tennessee Titans to beat the New England Patriots because of Derrick Henry and that running game and that defense. So we saw that live in action, you know, during their last game. But at the same time, Derrick Henry, for some reason, the last two years, just the last five or six games of the Tennessee Titans, he just kind of wake up and turn into somebody or he plays outside of his body. And for the Tennessee Titans to move forward, that's who they going to have to rely on It's Derrick Henry. But, I mean, Coach Vrabel did it well. He he outcoached Coach Belichick. You know, you can say what you want to say. He outcoached Coach Belichick. He took away his, his best players, and that was Julian Edelman and, and Tom Brady. That four-down stop. And I think we talked – we did talk about this. That four-down stop on the goal line is everything. It's everything. When New England Patriots got on the goal line and they had four chances or three chances, to score on the two-yard line, and they stopped them right before the half. So that shifted the momentum. So we talk about this all the time also. I guess we talk about a lot of stuff on this show, Mark and Mark. We talk about this a lot, you know, during the regular season. It's all fantasy points. You know, everybody getting on who their fantasy quarterback, running back, receiver is, what defense they're going to pick, or special teams. And I've said this between Buffalo and Tennessee, Man, they just got an ugly, boring kind of playoff recipe. You know, it's not going to be pretty. They're not going to put up a lot of points, but they're going to play good defense and they're going to run the ball. When everybody stresses defense win championships, <laughs> it's for real. Going back to Derrick Henry, he is the first player in NFL postseason history with multiple 150-yard rushing games on the road. He was terrific in that game. And going back to the end of the first half, the goal line stand, I think it wasn't just keeping New England out of the end zone there, but it also made the game a one-score game. So you don't abandon the run. You don't abandon handing the ball off to Derrick Henry because you have clock to work with. Henry, the NFL's rushing leader during the regular season. So I thought... The goal line stand, it wasn't just about keeping points off the board. It was keeping it within a one-score game. And if it becomes a two-score game, your back's up against the wall. And yeah, you have a full second half left to play. But there are only so many possessions in a game. Yeah, true. I believe that. But I think with Coach Grable, his recipe was going to be Derrick Henry regardless. If New England would have scored or not, they was going to run. You know, he was going to be the cowbell with Derrick Henry I'm talking about. So, I don't think Coach Vrabel would have changed anything. It's just now we really can stick to our game plan since we had that goal line stand. So that was that was good on their part. But at the same time, Derrick Henry, what he's been doing, like I say, the last two years, this man quietly, you know, we talk about the McCaffreys, we talk about the we, we talk about a lot of other, you know, the Ezekiel Elliott's and we talk about a lot of other running backs, but you know, he's stayed in this case over the last couple of years. He's been the best running back in the league, and you can't say he hasn't, you know, because he's come up with two or three of these, you know, historical games or historical runs. Like, last year he came up with a – against Jacksonville, man, he came up with a, a Marshawn Lynch playoff kind of versus Saints kind of run. You know, if you if we all can remember, and this year he did the same thing. So that's just Derrick Henry. And what he do? He's just been consistent, a workhorse, a cowbell. And uh, he's one of the best backs, true, true original, like how Ezekiel Elliott is. He's one of just a true original 
backs. Christian McCaffrey, of course, he's a little bit unique, a guy who can catch over a thousand yards receiving and rush over a thousand yards. That's somebody special. But if you want to just talk about a throwback, let me hand him the ball and he's going to take care of the game and he's going to control the clock. Derrick Henry is that guy. You mentioned Vrabel out coaching Bill Belichick. I do want to save a coaching decision he made towards the end of the game to milk the clock for our good call, bad call segment. Ike, let's go to the other AFC wildcard matchup, the Texans beating the Bills. And really, to me, this game came down to, in overtime, Deshaun Watson scramble and throw to Taiwan Jones. Buffalo sacked Watson seven times on Saturday. They would have loved for it to have been eight times with that play. And to me, it was really the play of the weekend. Deshaun Watson has kept a few jobs, and that's the head coach Bill O'Brien job, just on how we play because a lot of the times they're behind the chains. They're behind on the scoreboard. And Deshaun, uh, for some reason, he becomes some superhero, uh, make a few spectacular plays, and he goes back to his Clemson days, and the pressure in the stage isn't too big for him. And they wind up winning the ball game, you know. So you can just only imagine, you know, when you do give him a 7-0 lead to start the game off with instead of coming from behind from 16-0 in the second half, when you when you do give him just a lead on what he can do, the plays you can call. Um, but for some reason, man, he's carrying that low. To me, he's like Tom Brady to the Patriots. Like, I'm going to get everybody jobs because we're going to win. It's basically been because of me. Like, a lot of jobs have been handed out because of Tom Brady. That's, that's, that's just how it is. We've been saying this since, well, I've been saying this since I've been playing. Tom Brady gets a lot of people jobs. But of late, between, you know, Coach Rabel and what he's doing, then we got the coach down in Miami, the, the D.C., the former D.C. You got Pat Patricia, like Romeo Cormel, like Charlie Weiss. You can go down the line. And you, man, we can go about 10, 12 coaches. If you really want to, on Tom Brady getting somebody a job, that's Josh that's McDaniels here soon too. Yeah, he he was there for a short a year with the Denver Broncos. So, man, we even talking about other coaches we really don't even know who he got a job to, whether it's college or on a professional level. But that's what Deshaun Washington is doing. You know, you you can just see off of his athleticism, off of just his pure leadership. You can just tell he's just a pure leader. Just like a Lamar Jackson, guys just want to be around him. They want to play for him. If you just watch on one of those post-interviews at the podium, one of the – you can tell one of the, the announcers or reporters wanted to get under his skin. They lost the game and why you did this. And Deshaun, like, broke down coverage. It's like the reason why I call this coverage is because I saw this safety rock down this way. So when he rocked down this way, like – he gave in depth and in detail exactly what he was looking for, exactly where he was supposed to go, and was like, you know what, I messed that one up. So I'm saying to the reporter, man, I hope you're catching all this, man, because you just got football at its highest. <laughs> you know, being explained very detailed from a young guy who knows what he should and shouldn't do. But um, that's all Deshaun Watson, man. I, I just hope throughout the course of, of the playoff, man, if, if this man can just get up 10-0, one time because we didn't see him when he was young him have that shootout with you know Tom Brady a couple of years ago I think it was like four in the 40s or something he had a, just a straight shootout you took the words out of my mouth Ike when you said that Buffalo went up 16-0 and I texted you during the game and I'm like this is the Bills team you've been talking about all year and then the wheels just came off after that and I don't know for Josh Allen if that moment got too big for him, because you're, you want to do too much. So him falling to the ground, picking up the first down, trying to pitch it to his tight end, taking sacks instead of just throwing the ball away. Sometimes the moment just get too big for you. Cause if you look at a Josh Allen between the first and second half, them two different people. Yeah, you know, and, so, and pitching not only to your tight end, but your third string tight end when right. possession is is so key, important. Key, key, key. So when you when we look at that, it's just like and at that time, you know, Deshaun Washington had been through plenty of them kind of moments and the stage wasn't too big for him because our average quarterback who's about to get hit by two guys 
probably would have folded up and went down. But Deshaun Watson got hit, and the way those two Bills defenders kind of collided on each other, kind of knocked each other off. But Deshaun didn't panic. Then panic came, came off the came off the two tackles, kept his eyes downfield, threw it to the running back, and now we're still talking about it. Now they're still in the playoffs. So he's one of those unique, different kind of players. He's special, but I hope Coach Bill O'Brien don't hold him back. So say, you know, it's just it's just right now, you know, taking seven sacks is a lot, Mark. It's a lot. So hopefully for them in the offseason, man, they just get some more offensive linemen probably get another running back to help them out because as you can see running games you know in the playoffs if you got a running game that means you got action you got life all these high flying and no disrespect to the receivers but receivers gonna have few and far catches in the playoffs and they're gonna be important catches you know very important catches not even game changing kind of catches like move the chain kind of catches all these 13 to 14 you know, receiving yards, I mean, receptions, that's not going to happen in the playoffs, you know. It's going to be a lot of tight ends catching the ball. Um, receivers for a big time, like Emmanuel Sanders, Debo Samuels, and those guys, they'll probably have like four or five catches, but they're going to be important catches late in the game. You're going to rely heavy on the run game and actual defense pretty much every time to control the clock and not let these guys score seven but three. And Josh Allen is still a young quarterback, too, in his second year in the league. So he'll be in his third year next year. And we're also going to talk about Sean McDermott's decision to go for it on fourth and 27 late in the fourth quarter. Again, we're going to talk about that on good call, bad call as well. There were a lot of coaching decisions that, again, some were great, like the way that Mike Brable managed the clock. And then uh, others were just very, very questionable this weekend. Let's go to the NFC now. Let's go to the Vikings beating the New Orleans Saints. And the Saints now have lost three consecutive years in the postseason in the most brutal fashion. A walk-off touchdown reception by tight end Kyle Rudolph in overtime. And the question a lot of people have is whether or not it was pass interference on Rudolph. I think that the refs did a good job not calling any pass interference. I do think you can make the argument that he pushed off the defensive back. But... To me, this is just yet another example, and I feel like I'm a broken record, and I say this every single week, but yet another example of why I really hope the NFL does away with the Sean Payton rule in the offseason. Yeah, Sean Payton got Sean Payton. Sean Payton got Sean Payton. So that exact call he was looking for last year, <laughs> be like, Sean, you ain't getting it because it happened last year. So you ain't, you, ain't get, you ain't getting this call. Coach Z from the Minnesota Vikings, if you just ask around the league, that's one thing he does well. If you just know football and you know Coach Z from Minnesota, you know he's going to have a defense. He's going to have a stout, very knowledgeable, fast, you're going to have to earn these yards kind of defense. For the playoffs, he took, you can't guard me, a.k.a you know, Michael Thompson away. Like, he was a non-factor that game. Pushed the pocket. And they talked about getting Drew Brees off of his pedestal. You know, because Drew, like, he's not that tall. He liked to get in lanes to what he could see and throw the ball. And they filled all them lanes, meaning the defensive line. They filled all them lanes. So when you have that and you got a very knowledgeable and probably one of the best and versatile linebacker groups over there, starting off with Barr, you got a very versatile linebacker group. You have a very savvy veteran-like secondary. So they, they know and they've been around, they've been playing with each other for a while now, three to four years, that's, that's a while, especially in the time of free agency. And you got a mind like Coach, Coach Z, you see what he can do. We don't ask, we don't ask Kirk Cousins to do much. Kirk Cousins is our trailer. My defense is the truck. My running game is the truck. Kirk Cousins is my trailer. And he got he got the right quarterback to understand his role. 
Because if you just listen to his post-game interviews, Kirk Cousins I'm talking about, it ain't never about him. And he's, you can tell he's just a God-fearing man. Like, he's, he loves his religion. So that's perfect for <laughs> what Coach Z and the Minnesota Vikings are looking for. He doesn't want to do too much. He understands his role. We got a nice little run game. And our defense, I'm going to take away what you like to do best. You know, so we knew going into the Superdome that is very hostile and it's hard to beat the Saints because of Coach Sean Payton. But again, we're going to talk about another coach. Coach Z out coach Coach Payton this game. And when I saw the Minnesota Vikings do around five plays, tall sweeps, first thing that came to my head, they're saying the New Orleans Saints corners don't like to tackle. Because when you do tall sweeps, you seal the edges on the defensive ends, you seal the edges on the linebackers coming downhill, we're making the corners tackle. So you get exposed on your weaknesses when it comes down to the playoffs. And that's what got that drive started. That's what got Dalvin Cook started. He was able to find C and D gaps, meaning outside gaps, all because corners from the New Orleans Saints wasn't coming downhill. And that was something that we talked about prior to the show. Dalvin Cook, he missed the last two regular season games with a shoulder injury. He had 130 yards from scrimmage and two touchdowns. Like, I want to go back to a couple things you were saying about Kirk Cousins, though. Some of the criticisms of him coming into this game were fair. He had lost his only other previous playoff start in 2015 with Washington. And he played a great game, 242 yards, a passing touchdown. But if you look at his record in high-profile regular season night games, the criticisms of him were valid. But this was really the first time we've seen him in a high-profile game deliver. And he finally had his moment in a game where the Vikings were eight-and-a-half-point underdogs. I do want to say one other thing, too, with the Vikings' defense. Containing and shutting down Alvin Kamara was huge. Only 21 yards rushing on seven carries. He had eight receptions, but for only 34 yards. To me, I think the Saints should have gotten the ball more to Kamara just because of how talented he is. Only 15 touches to me in a must-win playoff game is not enough. For the regular season, they look awesome. When you look at Drew Brees' stats, and, and of course, I think Coach Sean Payton's probably one of the, the most cleverest OCs I've, I've seen, you know. To have just one guy and Michael Thomas lead the league in receptions and in yards, and if you just look at how he's getting him the ball and, you know, when you just think of that offense, you're either thinking of Alvin Kamara, Drew Brees, or Michael Thomas. And when Alvin Kamara is only having 21 yards and every game you ain't going to start off with Alvin Kamara who's going to bust out for a 10, 12-yard gain or might get a 30-yard gain. So, but if you keep feeding them, just keep feeding them, keep feeding them, keep feeding them. He's going to break one on because that's just him. He, he, he's another special running back. But at the same time, everybody isn't a one. Meaning just because Robin is looking good because Batman and Darren Batman at the time was Mark Ingram. Just because Robin is looking good and Batman is there, you're thinking, okay, Batman can't get replaced. And now you see, which I thought, you see it now with the Baltimore Ravens, Batman and who kind of held that locker room together, who kept that locker room just cool, fun, not taking it too serious, but also handling your business is Mark Ingram. So there's no knock on how special Alvin Kamara could be far as talent-wise because we've seen it. But everybody isn't the number one, Mark. Like Mark Ingram, now you see how special he was in the Saints locker room. Now you see how special he was in the running back's room because Alvin Kamara was pissed off that he left. It's the reason why the man was pissed off. You can just see 
the man makes going to work and Mark Ingram talking about the man makes going to work fun, you know, and that's exactly what he's doing over there with the Ravens. So everybody's not built for that low. Do I wish Coach Sean Payton would have ran the ball more? Yes. Um, do I think he get too cute? Yes. Do I think he get too pass happy? Yes. But who am I to say the man been successful doing it? Mark Ingram helping the Baltimore Ravens in their rushing attack, a record-breaking rushing attack for a single season. So he's a pro bowler as well this year. You see his value in Baltimore now, no longer a member of the New Orleans Saints. Ike, we will go to good call, bad call. But before we do, we get to another ad. We tell you about my bookie. Christmas has come and gone, but the Super Bowl is quickly approaching. We've seen just what our teams are capable of this season. And now it's time to get your last bets in before the bowl. Will the Ravens be able to get it done? And I bet you have a feeling, you know, maybe it'll be the 49ers. Maybe it'll be the Seahawks or the Packers or the Kansas City Chiefs. Head over to mybookie.ag to make your predictions a reality. MyBookie is one of the most trusted in the industry. If you're looking for a sports book to make some bets, MyBookie is where you want to go. If football's not your thing, no worries. MyBookie's got it all. From the NBA to the Premier League, they've got the fastest payouts, best promotions, and a very helpful 24-7 customer service team. You can even pool your bets together for a bigger payout. Let's say you've got a couple favorites this week, and you can parlay those wagers. And they let you bet multiple games together. And if they all come through, you win big. MyBookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sports book around. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you'll get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code BLV to get your extra cash from MyBookie. Bet, win, get paid. Ike, before we break down Seahawks and Eagles, I want to go to good call, bad call. I want to start with the good call, and that is the clock management by Mike Frable at the end of the Patriots-Titans game. He was able to use delay of game penalties, start penalties, to milk the clock, and apparently there is a 40-second runoff when he took these penalties. There's a loophole that actually Bill Belichick has used previously. So he's able to milk the clock and limit the Patriots' time of possession because they were trailing in this game. And you could see on the sidelines that Belichick was furious, but it's a move that Belichick used previously this year against the Jets. And so I just thought that was terrific. Again, it's a loophole. We'll see if the NFL cleans it up or not. But hats off to Mike Vrabel for – a, his effective clock management down the stretch against New England. Oh, man. So all Coach Vrabel did was say, let me do something to my sensei that my sensei that has been doing to a lot of other people. <laughs> that's, that's all he did. That's all Coach Mike did, man. Just what his sensei and that's Coach Belichick has been doing for the most is going through the rule books and Seeing exactly how he can push the lines, so say, and how he can, if he's up, you know, run the clock and all that good stuff. The student was like, let me do this against my sensei, because he must thought I forgot. <laughs> so it came at a crucial time. And yeah, you can see the frustration, like, God dang it, man, I didn't think this dude was going to remember that, you know, off of false starts and all these penalties, man, you can still milk the clock and him be up and him giving me the ball with God name 34 seconds left in the second half to go 75 yards. So kudos to Coach Mike Brable, man, for, for taking what the sensei has been doing to others <laughs> and doing the sensei that. Absolutely. Now, for bad call, the Bills going for it on fourth and 27 at the end of regulation. Now, the kicker, Stephen Hauschko, is able to make the field goal to tie it to send it into overtime. But – Going for it on fourth and 27, it would have been about a 60-yard field goal, which I understand if your kicker can't make a 60-yarder. I get that. But punt the ball there. They, they were still able to get the defensive stop. But when they went for it on fourth and 27, okay, like first of all, this is an NFL blitz, right, where you, know, you start first and 30. Second of all, you can't take a sack there and give up more yardage. And this goes back to what you were saying with Josh Allen. 
that fourth and 27 call, I see if you would have thrown a Hail Mary because that would have been like a punt, you know? Like, like an arm punt. Yeah, that, that, yeah. that would have been like a punt. But, again, Josh taking a sack, going for it on fourth and 27, 60-some yards, even though it's inside of a dome, it's far period. I would have put in the ball, but, you know, sometimes coaches, sometimes that moment gets too big for coaches and it cloudies their decision-making, you know? So I was about to ask you the same thing. What the heck Coach Sean was thinking <laughs> on 4th and 27? Because me personally, either I would have threw the ball as a Hail Mary, tried to hopefully try to get a pass interference, or I just would have threw it to a running back coming out. I would have threw it to Singletary coming out of the backfield and just hope that he got at least 20 yards. That would have been perfect for me. But, yeah, you can't take a sack, and I wouldn't have went for it on 4th down. I would have put in the ball for sure. Okay, and then the other one was Sean Payton's clock management at the end of the fourth quarter in the Saints-Vikings game. So before they got the ball, they could have called the timeout, and they would have had about two minutes and 30 seconds left. They got the ball with less than two minutes to go, and for some reason on the final possession, the clock management just got completely wonky. Long story short, Payton settled for a 49-yard field goal, and thankfully his kicker made it. 49-yard field goal with the pressure on and the playoffs to force overtime. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. especially, I, I looked up previous games where this has happened this year. Uh, I know the Bears lost to the Chargers earlier this year because their kicker missed, I think it was a 41-yarder. So mm -hmm. and that is not a chip shot. And right. so the Saints had a false start penalty with 21 seconds left. And they could have used one of their timeouts to avoid the 10-second clock runoff which they could have then gotten closer. And then maybe if Breeze completes a pass down the field, maybe you even go score a touchdown. To me, you know, if you had a young quarterback, I would certainly get it. Right. Drew Breeze is going to turn 41 this month. He's one of the best to ever do it. If you can't trust him in that situation, to me, it was just really, really head scratching. And maybe he had the utmost confidence in his kicker, but the 49-yard field goal, to me, the clock management down the stretch by Peyton, was, it was just head scratching to me. You know how we talk about people just being too smart for their own good sometimes? Like, Coach Payton was probably thinking about a lot of situations instead of just focusing on one at a time that should have been the clock. You know what I'm saying? So, but again, who am I? I mean, Coach Payton is probably looking at a lot. He's, he, he probably was looking at a lot of situations and forgetting the clock was ticking. So. I totally understand sometimes you can just get caught up and from just talking to people who's in the New Orleans Saints organization, you know, Coach Payton, he's damn near the whole organization. Like, he wants to know everything that goes on between scouting, between drafting, between who's injured, between who he thinks who's not injured, who should play, and if he don't like defensive calls, I'm, I'm going to put my two cents in and make these defensive calls. And, of course, you know, I'm calling all offensive calls and formations and who I want to be a kicker, who I don't want to be a kicker. Like, the Saints is Coach Sean Payton, period. He, he, he runs that organization. I don't care what nobody say. But in that situation, I'm just thinking he had a lot he was thinking about on his mind, and he forgot that the clock was ticking. Hindsight is 2020, and if – Breeze throws an interception there. Maybe we're questioning why, you know, why he wasn't more conservative. So again, hindsight is 2020, but we try to lay out all the factors of what the situation was for good call, bad call. To me, just both of those decisions by both Peyton and Coach McDermott of the Bills were just kind of head scratching. Ike, we got to go to the Seahawks Eagles game. And really, to me, as soon as Carson Wentz went down, you know, for a while, I'll say this. Josh McCown, 40-year-old, making his playoff debut, the oldest player ever to make a playoff debut, and he kept Philly in the game. It was almost like a movie script considering all of the injuries that the Eagles have had, and it's like, oh, my gosh, can they do it? Because remember, this was a home game for the Eagles. Well, and so they kept it close, only losing 17-9, to but down the stretch, I, I think injuries really just doomed this Eagles team. Yeah, you just like to fight from the Eagles 
I'm a boxing fan, and a lot of the good boxers come from the city of Philadelphia, you know. And you can just tell a lot of all the injuries. And Coach Doug, they didn't make one excuse. They could have made all the excuses. So they kind of it, – it, it reminded me of the Steelers season. You know, a lot of key injuries, no excuse. Next man up. Uh, Philadelphia just took it to a, no, a whole nother level. Um, Carson Wentz really showed you why he's that $100 million guy. Just from guys coming from bars playing receiver, coming from Jiffy Lou playing receiver, uh, <laughs> <laughs> coming off the couch playing receiver. Like, he welcomed everybody. He made everybody feel special, or the organization made everybody feel special regardless of what round you went. I think at one time I saw a stat. Their star receivers at one time was either under six round and free agents. And you're still able to have some kind of life in the playoffs. You know, what it was, 17 to 9? 17 to 9, uh, yeah. 17 to 9. So you still had life regardless. You still could have tied it up if you would have scored. Then Carson Wentz wind up getting injured. And then McNow, he, McNow comes in at 40-something years old, and I saw him take off on a few scrambles. I'm like, okay, I hope he don't pull a hammy. But the man don't look slow at all to be 40. So, and for him to give him still give life, um, you can just tell Philly, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the way they played off of the injuries they had, key injuries. We forgot D-Jack still over there. Alshon still over there. Like, we talking about some premier receivers who were gone for, the most, of, for most of the season. Um, Jordan Howard, too, in the backfield. Jordan Howard. Darren Sproles. From Chicago. Sproles, he retired. So, people talk about the city of, of Philly being tough. Tough-minded city. That, that was the Philadelphia Eagles. Just, I know we're not making excuses. We're a tough-minded team. We get this from our city. And that's how they played this year. I mean, they came up short, but just to get in the playoffs and to have a Dallas Cowboy team who was fully loaded and all their elite superstars not make the playoffs and to have this team who all they want to do is just fight, just fight, just fight, just fight, just fight, just fight. And they fought themselves into the playoffs. And I, I just think that just comes from the city itself in Philadelphia. Seahawks had a season high seven sacks from six different players. And so, just shows McCown's toughness as a 40-year-old, too. Also want to mention, too, DK Metcalf's performance, 160 receiving yards, the most by any rookie in NFL playoff history, and it was the fifth most of any player making their playoff debut. So he was outstanding in the way that Russell Wilson was able to get him the football. You could see why Russell Wilson has had an MVP-caliber season. Lamar Jackson's going to win the MVP, but – Seattle as well, and I'll say this moving forward, this was the red flag for the Seahawks going into the playoffs. Seahawks are 11-2 in one-score games, including the playoffs this season. So how long can you keep that going? They're the best road team game. Um, they were showing the stat between the Packers. AR-12 is 500 when it comes to road games. And Russell Wilson, he don't mind living on the road. For him, he can legit say every game is a home game. You know, that's that's just their mentality. That's just how they travel. But Russell Wilson is special. I mean, he makes everybody good around him. Everybody. Between the rookie receiver, Metcalf, Doug Baldwin, nobody really knew about him. Lockett coming from Kansas State, nobody didn't really want him. Metcalf, he had, had some question marks coming from Ole Miss. He's a bodybuilder. He's a mutant. I don't know if he's going to be a legit receiver. Um, yeah, he's one of those line. freak combine guys. Yeah, so, and, you know, a lot of people seen freak combine-ish kind of players. Like, guys, they're going to train. They're going to measure. They're going to do well at the combine. But it doesn't translate to the field. 
But when you playing with, with Russell Wilson, he makes everybody better. He makes everybody better. And we don't really talk about him a lot because he's all the way over there at the top on the West Coast. But you can state your case and you really couldn't argue on him being the MVP also. You know, just off of what he has to work with, you know. He's the best player. He's the best guy. He's good for the organization. He's good for the cafeteria worker. He's good for the secretary. He makes everybody enjoy coming to work. And he pushes everybody. There's only a few special people who's like that. And from what I see, between, you know, Lamar and Russell Wilson, you know, the people just like being around those guys. They want to get better because of those guys. He makes everybody better. And I'm talking, I remember the announcers talking about Metcalf on his 12-page report to Russell Wilson and how dedicated now he is and he understands how to be a professional. You can see, because as a rookie, man, you can trick it off. And what I mean by trick it off, meaning you being a first-round draft pick, man, you can just trick off a second-round draft pick. You got time to trick off. You got time to make mistakes because organizations and GMs and front offices, they don't want to look wrong in their picks. They always want to be right, so they're going to give you chance after chance. Me being a fourth-round draft pick, I didn't have too many chances. You know, it would have been like, okay, they tried, it didn't work. But a first second-round draft pick, man, you're going to have a lot of chances. But for this young man just to come in, and I think it just all starts from what – Russell Wilson, and to see how Russell Wilson works, to see how special he is as a player, as a human being, it's like, okay, I got to step my game up. And during crunch time, who Russell was throwing the ball to? Metcalf. They needed a big play. But then to finish off the game, man, I'm, I'm about to throw you a jump ball. It's cover zero. I know they're about to blitz eight or nine people, I'm about to throw you a jump ball. Let's see if you can put them mutant paws and come down with the ball. That's what he do. But I think, period, it just starts off with Russell Wilson. But like you say, Metcalf, man, just you, you just saw him grow over the course of the season as a wide receiver. Russell Wilson now 5-0 and against the Eagles. The Eagles have averaged 11.4 points in those five games. Let's take another final break and tell you about Manscaped. Support from today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast comes from Manscaped, who is the best in below-the-belt men's grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family's jewels. That's why Manscaped redesigned the electric trimmer. Their Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary safe skin technology. Finally, manscaping accidents are a thing of the past. Start the new year off the right way by using the best tools for the job, Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLEAV at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code BLEAV. Ike, of the four matchups, you've got Titans, Ravens, Texans, Chiefs, Vikings, 49ers, and Seahawks against Packers. Of those four matchups, not all four favorites are going to win. Which underdog do you like the best in those matchups in the divisional round i can see titans going and beating the ravens here's why the reason why i can see the titans going in and beating the ravens is because i've been a part of the wild card underdog team and you get in a rhythm you get in a practice rhythm you get in a game rhythm you get into a on the field as a defensive unit making call rhythm you getting into seeing plays before they happen off a formation rhythm and you can only get in that rhythm if you play every week so of course they deserve a bye week or they earn a bye week and I'm talking about the Ravens but at the same time they've been sitting for a while and right now I'm gonna have to see how they respond off of a bye week off of being three weeks out, the the key guys, the Yonzas, the 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 Ingrams, the Lamars, sitting for three weeks, I'm gonna have to see how you respond because the only team who was really doing that by week after by week after by week after by week during the playoffs was the New England Patriots, and you knew what you was gonna get from New England. Like 
Then we have a bye week, and it's going to be hard to go into into Gillette Stadium and win these ball games because it was just proven over the last 10, 12 years. For the Baltimore Ravens, this is something brand new to them. You know, they used to consistently being on the road and just Tennessee recipe. Of course, they're going to try to stop Derrick Henry and make Tannehill beat them. That would be my goal if I'm a DC. We're going to load the box and Tannehill going to have to beat us. On the flip side of that, they got two good young receivers sitting over there <laughs> with the Tennessee Titans that hasn't been used yet. Baltimore is known for a good secondary, a good defense, but some secondary guys who are stout, no nonsense, and they like to cover, which they do have in Marcus Peters and company. You know, they, they got like three first rounders sitting on their back end for Baltimore Ravens. But I think just sitting for that long, it's hard. It's like having a truck. Your truck is made to be used every day, not to sit. And for me, seeing the Titans just stay in that rhythm. I don't know if people really watch the game, but the Titans' safeties was coming downhill. They set the tone. So, yeah, I like Lamar Jackson. He's going to be the league MVP. Do I think he's special? Hell, yeah. Mark Ingram and company, does he make everybody better around him? Hell, yeah. Do guys like to play for him? Yeah. It's just I haven't seen him in this in this situation. And I know when you play every week, you do get in a rhythm. And that's what I think the Tennessee Titans have done. Mike Vrabel is a hell of a coach. And he's going to make everybody beat him except for Lamar Jackson. I know everybody's going to think I'm crazy. And we're going to talk about this next week. But I got the Tennessee Titans over the Ravens. Wow. A key to this game, Ike, is going to be what happens in the first quarter. The Ravens had the NFL's best first quarter point margin at plus 97 this year. Jackson threw eight touchdown passes in the first quarter of games this season. That's tied for fourth in the league. It helped his teams get out to big leads. So if the Titans are able to stop the Ravens offense early on, stay in the game and establish the NFL's rushing leader, Derrick Henry, we'll see both of these teams have very, very similar recipes. Now, the Ravens rank number one in rushing this season, a -hmm. record-breaking 3,296 yards. The Titans were third. And so who's able to better establish the running game? And another thing I want to know, we keep mentioning Mark Ingram. Remember, he had that calf injury in week 16. So how is his calf holding up after three-plus weeks of rest now? And how do the Ravens fare early on in this game? Because they had the bye week. They rested several of their key starting players, including Lamar Jackson in week 17 as well. How do they fare after about three weeks of rest too? This is really the game that I have my eye on. And I'll say this, the Ravens favored by nine and a half points. I know the odds makers are usually spot on, but I think it's going to be closer than that. I think at the very least, I I don't know if the Titans will outright win, but I do think they cover in this game at the very least. The reason why I think the Titans is going to win because the stats you just made of the Ravens starting off fast and early, they're going to be rusty by sitting. Like, if they were just going into it and they was playing week after week in the playoffs, I'm going to go with the Ravens all day because they're in that rhythm. But I think just knocking the rust off early, you know, with a couple of possessions, that's just that's going to run into the Tennessee Titans' favor. You know, so now we're going to try to get Lamar out the box and what, what Lamar likes to do. Lamar likes to – he likes to scramble. He likes to run. Does, does he take big hits? No. Um, has he been an accurate passer? Yes. But I, I keep saying this, they're going to take the middle of the field away from him when it comes down to passing, and they're going to make him throw outside the numbers. That's, <laughs> that, that's just what I think. You know, they're going to contain the pocket and they're going to make the young man throw outside the numbers. And we're going to talk about this next week 
on what exactly happened, whether win or lose for the Tennessee Titans. I just think the recipe for the Titans on defense against Lamar Jackson is, you know, clogging up the middle, whether it's a run or whether they pass it, and making Lamar throw outside the numbers. And it'll be in prime time. That game will be Saturday night. Let's go to the earlier Saturday game. Vikings at 49ers. This will be the, the first of the divisional round games. Saturday afternoon, 49ers favored by seven. And to me, a lot depends on whether or not the Vikings can establish Dalvin Cook. He scored 10 touchdowns in the team's 11 victories and only three in their six losses. And the Vikings have lost nine of their last 10 games in the 49ers home stadium. Let me add one more stat for you too. Six seeds have lost eight consecutive games in the divisional round and are five and 19 since 1990. For me, it's Garoppolo. They can do it all. I mean, this offense is a chameleon offense. Like, if you want to have a shootout, let's go in the Superdome and beat the Saints. If you want to play smash mile football, let's tell Russell Wilson and company from the Seattle Seahawks come holler at us. That, that's and it's and usually you just have an identity. And yes, Coach Kyle Shanahan, his identity is running the ball. He we talked about this. You know, usually when you talk about exotic, you think exotic pass. No, he got exotic run plays. But when you have a chameleon offense like that, that's a, Mark. That's a rare offense. We can do whatever you want to do, and I can refer this to boxing. Whether you want to box unorthodox or whether you whether you want to box southpaw, I can do both, and I can do it well. That's the San Francisco 49ers offense. By the way, we got a damn good defense. A damn good defense. So, as a DC, as a defense coordinator going against San Francisco 49ers, you know, it's, it's kind of easy to say, I just need to stop Dalvin Cook and make Kirk Cousins beat me. Basically, that's all I'm saying. I'm stopping the run game. I'm making Kirk Cousins beat me. Now, he dropped two dimes in the game against the Saints. He dropped one to Thielen. That, that was a dime, and he dropped another one to Rudolph in the back of the end zone to win it. That was a dime. He's going to have to show me for 30-some plays that he can do that. But with the San Francisco 49ers, Mark, whew, I got two running backs. I got a fullback who's a pro bowler. I got a tight end who's a pro bowler. I got a guy picked up during the season who has been nothing but spectacular for me as a receiver. I got a young receiver in Debo. Two of my receivers' last name is, is Samuels. So I got, two, I got two good receivers. And I got a quarterback who's of late has been showing me that he's a clutch guy. So y'all want to pass the ball all day or y'all want to run the ball? Which one y'all want to do? Because right now, we don't have a fingerprint. We took all the skin off our fingers and we can do whatever we want to do and not get caught. <laughs> That's the San Francisco 49ers offense. They can do whatever they want to do and not get caught. And you mentioned the exotic running game. It almost sounds like an oxymoron. You say this almost every single week. I want to go through the top six teams and average time of possession this season. This does not include overtime. Number one, you got Baltimore. No surprise there. The leading rushing team as well. Philly, also a playoff team. New Orleans at number three. The Patriots at number four. Green Bay at number five, and at number six, you have the San Francisco 49ers. Top six are all playoff teams. That's not a coincidence. This late in the season, when it gets cold out, when you're playing in the elements, and you've got to endure, you've got to be able to run the ball and control the clock, and it helps out your defense tenfold. And the, the 49ers are able to do that this year. They're able to do that this year. Let's go to the Sunday games. Texans at Chiefs. The Chiefs are 10-point favorites. But remember, all the way back in week six, the Texans went into Arrowhead Stadium and beat the Chiefs. Now, remember, Mahomes had his ankle injury. But the Texans have proven that they can do this, that, and they've done it before. And so a key stat I found in this one, the Chiefs give up five yards per rush to quarterbacks this season. If Watson's able to run around and he's going to be able to do that, considering the pressure that he faced in the wild card matchup, if he's able to do that, 
I cannot wait to see this matchup between two young quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I'm going to take the running game out of the Chiefs because I think the weakness to the Houston Texans is their secondary. And from what I've seen with Coach Romeo Cornell, he doesn't like changing his man coverages. So we're going to be talking about a lot of bunches, meaning one at the top, two guys on the side, a lot of stacks, meaning one receiver on, one receiver off, but they're very close together. There's going to be a lot of crossing routes. There's going to be a lot of pick routes. And, you know, they all they got on that wide receiver core for the Kansas City Chiefs is Indy 500 cars. That's all they got. From the running back <laughs> to the receivers, all they got is Indy 500 guys <laughs> on that, on that which McCall, on that receiving core. So, yes, KC, they, they, they don't do too well in the run. But also, you know, for the most part, Houston don't do too well in the run either. But they're going to struggle. I think they're going to struggle as far as, like, coverage. They're going to struggle. And usually we talk about running in the playoffs. Nah, they're going to pass. I think the Chiefs are going to pass this game. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to light it up. He's another one since coming off an injury. You can just see he's just one of those special fun guys to be around. He takes the game serious enough, but he knows how to have fun. So I just think with the track stars and the Indy 500 guys they have on the perimeter, it's going to be hard for Coach Grinnell to contain those guys. So I'm thinking pass all day, and I'm taking the Chiefs. Don't forget about Travis Kelsey, though, the tight end for Kansas City. He's a key part of that offense as well, in addition to you know receivers like Tyreek Hill and everything, too. But I would imagine that Kansas City will take care of business in this one, and I'd be surprised if they didn't. But we've talked about this here on the Believe in Steelers podcast before. The elephant in the room with Andy Reid is he's accomplished almost everything other than winning a Super Bowl. He's been to the big game before. He's done nearly everything a coach can accomplish in this league. And we'll see. Maybe this will be the year. The way the defense is starting to take form, starting to take shape last few weeks of the season, and they were able to get the bye. Remember, the Patriots lost in Week 17 to the Dolphins. Correct. So they lost the bye, yeah. Having a home playoff game at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City, one of the loudest in the league. I know they go back and forth with Seattle. It's a great home field advantage for Kansas City, but I can't wait to see that one as well. They wind up picking up T-Sizzle, Terrell Suggs, right? Yes, and you want to know what about that move, too, is that wasn't only just about acquiring a future Hall of Fame player. To me, that move also prevented the Ravens from acquiring Suggs, which it, to me is equally as important because the, the Ravens are the favorite right now to win, to win it all, to win the Super Bowl, to prevent the Ravens from getting a guy who's had a very, very accomplished career. Its benefits are twofold or tenfold. I don't think T-Sizzle would have went back. I think T-Sizzle already said in the offseason, like, he knew they was going in a different direction. He had his time with the Ravens. He didn't want to go. He didn't want to come back because he wanted the young guys to start their own kind of kind of group of destiny or dynasty. So I remember seeing that from T-Sizzle. Now T-Sizzle is with the Kansas City Chiefs. He's not the pass rusher he once was, but I know one thing, you can't be able to run on his side. That's what I do know. So I'm looking at T-Sizzle as being a veteran guy in that locker room. And on occasions, if you need him to get a sack, but, but just his IQ for the game, from playing against him for so many years, his IQ for the game, and you're not able to run on his side, that helps the defense coordinate out a lot because now you can schematically you can scheme on the opposite side of Terrell Suggs because, you know, you're not able to run on one side. So that's why I think they picked him up. Like, they knew they always struggled when it came down to the run game. But we're going to pick up a guy who's going to be a future Hall of Famer who's not who he once was. But at the same time, that's one thing we know we can't do or a team can't do to him is run the ball. He has too much pride for somebody to run the ball to his side. It's like taking his will and you're not going to take his wills. As far as like Andy Reid, I think Andy Reid stepped back so far 
and let Eric Bieniemy be the OC. Now we're gonna see what Eric Bieniemy does to that offense, and we see what he's been doing of late because his name has been coming up in head coaching jobs, and he's been taking interviews. So that says a lot. Andy Reid understand himself, and I've said this. Andy Reid knock has been, man, you do good in the regular season, but we get to the playoffs, you know, you're always out, you always go home, but. I don't think so this time. I think they finally get it. Andy Reid finally get it. Ego was all the way out the door. He knows what he has in the in the OC and Eric Bieniemy. He got a special kid again at the quarterback position and Patrick Mahomes. He got the Indy 500. He got the Ferrari, the Lambos, and the old school, you know, Chargers and Ford Mustangs out on the perimeter. So I I think now this. This could be this could be their time. Don't be surprised if KC is in the Super Bowl. I tell you that. Whether it happens this offseason or a future offseason, Eric Bieniemy will be a head coach in this league at some point. And we'll see if the Chiefs get it done. They are trending upwards headed into the postseason. The last matchup, Ike, Seahawks at Packers. Sunday night, Packers are a four-point favorite. And these teams seem to meet in meaningful matchups every couple years. The 03 postseason. Uh, the Packers won on an overtime pick six. I think that was the Matt Hasselback game where they won the coin toss. He says, we're going to receive and we're going to go and score. And, you know, obviously that didn't happen. In 2012, they had the Hail Mary game on Monday Night Football with that, the, the Fail Mary game. And then in 2014, in the NFC Championship game, the Seahawks came back from a 12-point deficit to win in overtime. The Seahawks head to Lambeau Field, though, where they've lost eight in a row. And the Seahawks, the last time that they beat the Packers on the road, the Seahawks were in the AFC West. That was in 1999. So the Lambeau home field advantage certainly helps out the Packers as well. And a matchup of two premier quarterbacks, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, you said, you said they lost eight. Eight in a row at Lambeau. It's about to be nine. I like how special of a road team the Seattle Seahawks is. But I'm going to go with Lambeau and how special AR-12 is at Lambeau. I'm going to go with the key free agent pickups at the linebacker and D-line position. And, you know, I, I just love me some Aaron Jones. I'm going to go with Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams. I think he's going to wake up and have a pretty good game. I just can't see, I can't, how they struggle against Philly with a depleted team. I don't, I don't think AR-12 is going to let that happen coming into Lambeau. Now, maybe if the Packers was heading up to, to the Seattle Seahawks, I'm going to take Seattle. But Lambeau, AR, and what I see from AR, because of late, he hasn't really been playing well. So he's going to want to play better than Russell Wilson. I'm going to take the cheese heads on this one. And you see the importance of the Week 17 matchup when the Seahawks lost to the 49ers in the battle for the NFC West. And it makes all the difference in the world. The 49ers, the one seed, have a home game against the Vikings. And now the, the Seahawks have to go on the road against Green Bay. It just shows how important that game was in a game that came down to the wire. I can't wait to see what happens. I'm just absolutely psyched for this weekend. And I hope it's as entertaining as it is wildcard weekend was because it seemed like every game with wildcard weekend, it, it was just fun to watch. It was close competitive football. Oh man. They were showing the viewership between Seattle and the Philadelphia game. And it had the most views, 38, 38.5 million. That was more than the Super Bowl. So People are tuning in and watching these wild card games, and it's been everything plus more on what you can expect from postseason football. You know that's why that's why you gotta love football around this time, man. It's just a beautiful thing to watch and see, and these players have really taken it to a whole nother level. I'm looking at the NFC how we was in the in the AFC when I played. Ten and six don't even get you in the dough. It barely got Minnesota in the dough. Eleven and five. I remember one year, eleven and five couldn't get you in the playoffs. Eleven and five couldn't get you in the playoffs. 
that's how the NFC is looking this year. 11 to 5 either puts you on the road, 12 and 4, you're at home. That's hard. Unless, what am I going to say? What am I going to say, Ike? Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> Unless you're in the NFC East. But yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, 11 and 5. I remember there was one year the Patriots were 11 and 5 and they did not get in. It's like. Correct. To me, to me, kind of the threshold was always 10 games. You get, to, you get to 10 wins and you're usually in. But, man, I mean, it's still – the thing that makes this so exciting, it's wide open. I mean, there are a handful of teams that, you know, probably the – I don't see the Texans winning at all this year. But <laughs> here's the thing. I, I, don't, I don't see the Texans or the Vikings getting in. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I mean, that's why they play the games. I didn't right. see the Vikings getting by the Saints at all, especially in New Orleans. I didn't see that happening either. So we'll see. And it, it's, it's truly wide open. I cannot wait to see how this oh, unfolds yeah. down the stretch and which team get into the conference championship games as well. Oh, yeah. I just want to take a second to thank the listeners. Thank you so much for listening to Ike and I. And you can listen to the Believe in Steelers podcast wherever you get your podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Luminary, and TuneIn. Please rate, review, and subscribe on the podcast. We love bringing your voice into the show as well. It helps us. And again, just thanks to the listeners. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I want to piggyback off of Mark. Thanks, everybody, for listening, viewing, rating, all that good stuff. Thanks for the sponsors. Mark, make sure you give me the sponsor so I can add them on my IG. I want to thank the sponsors for bringing in the 2020 season with Mark and I for this Believe It's Still a Podcast. Again, just keep tuning in, keep paying attention. We're going to keep posting. We're going to keep giving insight. I know y'all see us getting better every week. I know y'all see us getting more insightful every week. So make sure y'all tune in every Tuesday to Mark and I and this Believe and Still a Podcast. But again, thank y'all for listening. Also, thanks to the sponsors. Absolutely. For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thanks for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast. We'll see you next week. So long, everybody. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.